Amen. Children, you are dismissed as junior church. If I could ask the junior church workers, uh, we will send somebody down. If you could bring the kids back in for the baptism, Allie Slater is being baptized today. We want to support her in that. So if you will, uh, we'll send somebody down when we go to invitation time. Mrs. Fury, would you do that for me? Go and wrangle those kids. Will you remember? Brother Judge, you might have to flash that on the screens for us if you would. Mark chapter 4 this morning. Let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Our theme this year is Speak Jesus or Profess Him with Our Lives. And, and you know, one of the taglines that I kind of used uh, while introducing that thought last year was, I want to know how Jesus was able to sleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. I want to have that kind of peace that Jesus had. And of course, he was God, right? God in the flesh, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so he had a little bit different relationship with the Lord than any of us do. Now, that's what we want Obviously, the Bible says we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. So we want to be more like Jesus, and so we want to have that peace. But I said this morning at the beginning of the service that find us faithful is more than just our, our, our testimony in the church or our works or what have you. The world is looking to us to see how we behave during tribulation, during times of trial and times of storms in our lives. And so I want to look at that this morning in Mark chapter 4, near the end of the chapter, verses 35 through the end of the chapter. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. And while you're turning there, I'm going to invite uh, Jeff and Lord Lee Roberts to come. We're going to invite them uh, to the front. We're going to welcome them into the membership of Bethel Baptist Church. And we're so thankful for these folks. They've been here for quite a while, actually, several months. Brother... Roberts uh, was the pastor of Maranatha Baptist Church for 30 years up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And uh, of course, we do not uh, for a second uh, make less of Laura Lee's contributions there because we know, we know how a pastor's wife really runs the ship, let's be honest. And, uh, but tireless hours, we know that. And Brother Jeff will attest to that, that his wife was right there alongside him, and they were a team in every aspect of the word. And so we appreciate them so much, and so glad that they're coming to our church, and they want to pitch in anywhere they can. And sometimes you won't see them. I don't want you to think they're unfaithful. He's being asked to preach a lot in different places. Matter of fact, uh, you can pray for Pastor Mike McDonald in London. He's uh, suffering with cancer right now. Brother Roberts will be preaching for an entire month, four weeks straight, there to help fill the pulpit. And so just if you see them away, if you see them not here, pray for them. That's just a policy. That's a good idea, isn't it? Just pray uh, while they're away that you know that they're ministering somewhere to another church family, and we're glad that God can use them in that way. So we want to welcome you to Bethel Baptist Church, and again... Again, you've been members here before, and, and praise the Lord for that. And so God bless you. I'll shake your hands this morning. Let's welcome them with a hearty amen. 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 God bless you folks. Thank you. Mark chapter 4 this morning. Let's look at verse 35. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. The Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Boat. Have you ever been in a boat that began to leak? We were out a couple years ago in a boat and it began to leak just a little bit and we were okay and we got just about to shore and that thing all of a sudden, I mean, it started going fast. And I'm thankful I probably could have stood up in the river at that point, but 
It can be scary if you're in the middle of water and the water starts coming into the boat. I, I think the church is like a boat sometimes. Think about this. It's okay as long as the boat's in the water, but when the water's in the boat, you have a problem. And that's the same as the church in the world. The church is always going to be in the world, but when the world gets in the church, we have a problem. And so it's just a good a little analogy there. Look what it says there in verse 37. And there rose a great storm of the wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, in the stern of the ship, asleep on a pillow. I would have to guess it was a wet pillow. Have you ever been wet while you're sleeping? Been camping and got kind of flooded? You ever had that happen? It's hard to sleep. But the Lord Jesus Christ was in such a peaceful, restful state that even though he was wet, he was able to sleep. Isn't that amazing? And then the Bible says, And he was asleep in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I just think about those words and I wonder how dare we ask God if he cares? How dare we ask God if he cares? The God who died on the cross to shed his blood for our sins. Do you care, God? Master, don't you care? Of course he cared. Of course he cared. If the Bible wasn't so plain and said that Jesus was asleep on this pillow, I would almost think he was with one eye open just testing the disciples, but the Bible says he was asleep. But do you care, Lord? And he arose, verse 39, and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Heavenly Father, we thank you for being so good to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you do calm the stormy seas. Lord, for years we've taken this passage of Scripture and we apply it to the storms of life. And Lord, I think rightfully so, for if... God in the flesh has the power over nature. Certainly, he can take care of our troubles. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to draw from it today and to learn and to grow. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus, the one that is resting in the storm, rather than the disciples who are fearful and fretting. And the Bible says they had no faith. So, Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts. We need the Spirit of God to help us today. So we pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Judge, if you wouldn't mind putting the time up for me, I have a baptism and I want to make sure I'm respectful of that today. You know, as we read this passage of Scripture, there's a lot of points of interest and application that we could unpack from it. I'm sure you've heard this passage preached many times. We find in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Each time it tells it from a different disciple's perspective, but always the same. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who has the power over the storm. He speaks, peace be still, and there was an unusual calm that came over the sea that night. But as we think about the different principles, we can certainly identify with the disciples, can't we, in their lack of faith in the midst of a storm, in the midst of turbulent times. It's then that we begin to question, and it's even then that maybe we ask God, do you care? God, do you care about us? I wonder if you're even there sometimes. The disciples, they were 
frantically trying to bail out the water, I'm sure, and perhaps trying to steer into the wind or steer into the waves. And whatever methods they had learned as fishermen that would help that boat survive, I imagine that's what the disciples were attempting to do while the master rested peacefully in the hinder part of the ship. I want you to notice as we think about these disciples, the Bible refers to them as a group every time. It says they were them. In other words, there wasn't even one of them that remained calm. It doesn't say all the disciples, except for James. All the disciples were fearful except for Peter. It says they all cried out, Master, do you care that we perish? There wasn't one of them with the voice of reason. There wasn't one that said, hey, fellas, the Lord is in the ship. The God of creation is here with us. The one that we have seen heal blinded eyes and raise up the leper and call forth the dead. The one that we have seen do miraculous things is right here in the ship with us. Not one had a voice of reason. Boy, isn't it a blessing when you're going through a storm, there's somebody that reminds us that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. That we have somebody that comes alongside us, not only the Holy Spirit of God, the, the Bible gives them the word the paraclete, or the one that comes alongside, the one that gives comfort, but also a friend that can comfort. One that comes alongside us and reminds us of the scripture and points us back to Jesus and prays with us and encourages us, but there wasn't one aboard this ship. There wasn't one whose testimony reminded the others that, hey, we've been here before. We've weathered seas like this, but this time we have the Lord with us. We understand and we can identify with that. Fear sometimes takes over. We understand crying out to Jesus when times are difficult, don't we? Sometimes we don't pray like we ought to until the storm comes. Your praying gets real good when you're on a boat that's sinking. When all around you seems lost and things are about to fall apart, that's, that's when a lot of men find religion. A lot of people profess Christ, make deals with God. And so I'm sure they cried out during these difficult times. The Bible says they did. We can also appreciate from this passage that Christ has the power to calm the sea. And we make that application. If, of course, if he can calm the seas of nature, he can certainly take care of our troubles and problems. I want you to see some things as we outline the passage quickly, and I'll give you a, a principle at the end. I want you to notice, first of all, there was a frightening danger. I'd be scared too, wouldn't you? I, I, I don't know what uh, their, their thoughts were going through their minds if they thought maybe we can jump out of the boat and swim to shore. I've been on the Sea of Galilee, and it's not a huge sea, but you can see from one side to the other. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls it Lake Gennesaret. And when I say lake, we're a little bit skewed in our thinking, aren't we? We think of the Great Lakes. I, I've brought a lot of missionaries down here, and I say, hey, let's go down to Lake Erie, and we'll stand there. And they said, this isn't a lake. This is an ocean. A lake you can see across. A lake you can see the ends, and you can see homes on the other side. But they come down here, and they believe it's an ocean. We must be at the, the seashore. The Bible calls the Sea of Galilee Lake Gennesaret. 
It's believed that it was called the Sea of Galilee because when the disciples, or sorry, when the Israelites first came into, in, uh, from the wilderness, wilderness wanderings, it had been so long since they'd seen water like that. It seemed like a sea to them. And perhaps that's the reasoning behind it. I don't know if they thought they could swim to shore, if they could abandon ship. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, there were some other ships alongside them. I don't know if you caught that while we read the scripture. And perhaps some of them were uh, faring a little bit better. I don't know. And maybe they called out to them for help. The Bible doesn't say, but we know that there was a, a frightening danger that was taking place. And we see that the Bible says the danger was imminent. This wasn't something they began to concern themselves with. There wasn't a small leak in the boat. The Bible says in verse 23, it was filled with water. I'm no rocket scientist, but I'm going to tell you this. If a boat is full of water, you're in trouble. The Bible says they were in jeopardy. They were in jeopardy. Some of these men were fishermen. They'd spent their lives on the Sea of Galilee. And for them to exclaim that they were in jeopardy, it really meant something. And furthermore, the Bible says in verse uh, uh, 20, or sorry, it says, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They thought they were going to die. It was imminent danger. I remember when I was just a boy and the Stanley Clipper went down out on Lake Erie and they said that somebody radioed to shore and said this is a terrible way to go. Somehow they knew they weren't going to survive that thing. And they didn't. And the disciples were in that same situation. Master, do you care not that we perish? You know, I wonder as I think about these, these disciples, we are awful good on calling on Christ when the threat is imminent. When we are in danger of perishing. When life is falling apart. And let me ask you this, how is your prayer life when things are calm? Had the disciples prayed before launching out, would things have been different? Mark this in your mind today. Do we pray, do we pray in peril or in preparation? Do we pray in peril or in preparation? You won't be able to say it very fast with all those P's in there. It'll tie up your tongue. Do we pray in peril or in preparation? Do we seek God ahead of time? Can we foresee that there's a storm coming? Because by the way, there is. Satan is like a roaring lion seeking. He's looking right now whom he may devour. And you might be his next target. Are you praying in preparation? Or do you wait for the peril? The danger wasn't just imminent. It was instructive. It taught the disciples to surrender to the Lord. I think sometimes the Lord allows these storms in our lives to draw us closer to him. It allows us to realize that we are nothing without him. That we must be near him. You know, I got thinking about those other boats. I've never ever thought about them before. As a matter of fact, Matthew and Luke don't even record those other boats. The Bible says there was other boats. If I were in those other boats, I'd be trying to get in the boat that was full of water. Because that's where Jesus was. I'd rather be in a boat full of water with Jesus than a boat that maybe had the potential to sink or maybe reach shore. At least there's a certainty that I'm with the King of Kings. I'm with the God of creation. I'm with the one that can solve the problem. If he chooses not to, fine. But I want to be near Jesus. 
I wonder as those disciples were trying to abandon ship or row harder to shore and, and were bailing out with buckets trying to get the water out of that ship, I wonder if the other ship saying, boy, I wish I was in that boat. I wish I was in there with Jesus. The danger was instructive. It taught the disciples to surrender to the Lord. We have to understand this. There are some things in this life that are out of our control. And there's only one master of the wind. There's only one that knows the end from the beginning. I imagine they worked hard and doing everything they could. But at some point they had to say, this is out of our control. Master, we need you. The danger was instructive and it taught the disciples to surrender to the Lord, but it also taught the disciples that salvation is of the Lord. They could only be saved by calling on Jesus. I dare say that the disciples knowing that they were going to perish was not just some flippant comment. I think these weathered fishermen, I imagine that Peter, James, and John on most nights would have stood up and said, guys, we've been through this lots of times. Don't worry, it's passing. We can get to shore. We can bail it out. We can do some things here. We will turn the rudder a certain way. We'll let it drift. We'll do whatever it takes. We understand this sea. We understand these storms. We've weathered many of them. But even they cried out that night. And it came to the point where they had to realize the only way to be saved is to turn to the Lord. If I could spiritualize that just for a moment, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And I'm not just talking about the storms of life now, I'm talking about the storms of this world. And we must understand and come to the point of our understanding that Jesus is the only way of salvation, for there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. And the disciples learned an important thing that night, that Jesus was the only way that they would be saved. Not only was there a formidable danger or a frightening danger, we see secondly there was a forgotten directive. The Bible says he told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. They forgot all about that. Hey, when God says he's going to accomplish it, he will. We're we're reminded of uh, of the scripture says, He that began a good work in you shall be faithful to complete it. And the Lord has said to the disciples, get into the boat and we're going to go to the other side. And somehow they forgot that directive. It wasn't just words that were idle. They weren't just flipping ideas saying, let's, let's just pass over. Let's just go get away from these crowds and understand they'd been pressed by thousands of people. It wasn't just to escape. The Lord had a plan. And when the Lord has a plan, you can write it down. It will always come to pass. They were not flippant words. They were not words that were idle, but they were words that showed intent. God had a plan. I'll say again, the disciples may have bailed water, rowed harder, turned the ship around, panicked, and even entertained thoughts of abandoning ship and swimming ashore, but they forgot one thing. God said, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. They had forgotten what the Lord had said. And thirdly, I want you to see, we see faithless disciples. Faithless disciples, notice what it says in verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? 
Notice how the Lord helped before he rebuked. Isn't, we're, we're just the opposite, aren't we, sometimes? Well, I told you this was going to happen. If you'd have just listened to me, and we just, we just kind of like to tear people up and make sure they understand, hey, I was right and you were wrong, and as soon as you admit that, then I'll help you. But the Lord Jesus Christ did just the opposite. He stepped in, and he arose from his sleep, and he stood up and he said, peace, be still. And the Bible says there was a great calm. I, I, I wonder what that means, a great calm. I understand what calm is, but how do you have something that's greater than calm? Something that is more than calm. You know? I, Calvin and Amanda, do you have much calm at your house? No, I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't imagine. I, I remember one day Calvin sent, showed me a little video that Amanda had gone into the bathroom to have a shower or something. I don't know what she was doing. And the boys found a hose from the washing machine, and they slid it under the door, and they were talking to her through the hose. <laughs> There's no peace in your house, is there? No calm. And so, I mean, you could go to a busy place, and you could say, boy, it's just so calm here. There's no kids climbing the walls. There's nothing. But the Bible says there was more than calm. There was a great calm. Well, when Jesus does something, he does it perfectly. You want peace? You need to come to Jesus. You want some comfort? Come to Jesus. These disciples were faithless, but the Lord worked in their lives anyway. In Mark chapter 4, he says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I want you to notice that an absence of faith will lead to failure. They failed. They failed. I don't believe for a moment that they failed by going and saying, Master, we need you. They failed when they said, Master, care so not that we perish. Don't you care? Don't you care? Faith would have said, we're going to the other side, fellas. Don't worry about it. I'll get Jesus. Faith says, I believe the word of Jesus Christ when he says, we're going to the other side. So I'll go call on him. I'll just let him know that, hey, we need you. But to say, Lord, you care. What a slap in the face of Almighty God. Faith will lead, a lack of faith will lead to failure. I'm so glad I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But an absence of faith will lead to fear. An absence of faith will lead to fear. Judy sang, fear not tomorrow, for God is already there. You know why we fear tomorrow? Because we forget God's already there. I know who holds tomorrow. But do we believe that? An absence of faith will lead to fear. We fear because we don't have faith in Christ. I want you to notice this, though, and this is important. We see faithless disciples, but we see a faithful discovery. A faithful discovery. They discovered saving grace. Jesus says, how is it that you have no faith? And yet they were dry, and the storm was calm, and they made it to the other side. How does that happen? How is it the Lord can rebuke you for not having faith, and yet you're saved? That's because it's called grace. 
Now here's what the Bible says about salvation. By grace are you saved through faith. I'm going to say this, and I don't want you to mix up the two. There's been a lot of times in my life where my faith is small, but by God's grace, he still provided for me. He still took care of me. He still gave me abundantly, exceedingly more than I ever deserved. That's grace. But don't you miss this. When it comes to salvation, by grace are you saved through faith. You must have faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. We were taught in that same passage, he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, we must call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith, we must believe that he died on a cross and shed his blood for our sins, was buried, and he rose again. And by faith, all of that comes by faith. And when we put our faith in Christ, by grace, he saves us. Here's the thing. Even by faith, we still don't deserve it. <laughs> That's why it's called grace. But I'm thankful today that even when my faith is small, God's grace is still sufficient. My daily walk with him, when I fail... When my faith is little, God still takes care of my needs. They discovered saving grace. They discovered a sovereign God. What was left for the disciples to learn? Think about this. He had healed people. He had restored life to people. And now he even commands nature. And that's what the disciples said. Look at the last verse. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow! Who is this? He's God. That's who he is. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Here's what the Bible says Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus about this God. In whom, Jesus, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You see, what does that mean? It means you're right in the middle of God's hand. And he's working all things together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. What better place to be than in the middle of God's will, in the middle of his hand, protected in the haven of rest? They made a faithful discovery. I suppose that in these same circumstances, we might do the same thing. It's funny, on a Sunday morning, sitting here in a heated auditorium on padded pews, dressed all nice. We say, well, I would, I would never behave like that. I'd, I'd never act like that. Put yourself in their situation. When fear takes over. Several years ago, we had a missions conference, and back then we had it in end of January, 1st of February, around that time. And I, I always tried on the Saturday to do something with the missionaries, just to get to know them. We'd go up to the, uh, the market at, at Elmira or whatever and, and uh, St. Jacob's, and we'd walk around the market, and we'd have lunch together and just enjoy some of that. And uh, that particular year, we got a bad snowstorm. And I said, I said, we're just not going to be able to make that trip up to Kitchener and expect to be back on time. It's just not safe. And we had a couple people that hadn't been feeling really well. Brother Logan was our preacher, and he had just come from overseas, and he was worn out. And he said, I think that's a great idea. Let's just rest today. And, and so, but there was one of the missionaries that said to me, he says, Pastor, I've, I've always been fascinated. He was from southern Georgia. And so he says, I've always been fascinated with the idea of ice fishing. He says, could we go somewhere where we see ice fishing? I said, sure. 
And so the weather cleared up a little bit, and we got in the car, him and his two boys, and we drove down to St. Williams, and, and we got out there, and I started walking. I parked the car, and I started walking. I saw a guy out there, and he just set up a little pup tent kind of thing, a, a windshield, and he was sitting on a five-gallon pail, and he had a hole cut in the ice, and he was fishing. And I could see him out there, so we, we decided to walk out. We walked out there, and, uh, but we had had so much snow, you couldn't tell when you actually stepped on the lake. We'd come from the shore, right? Like I walked out and I got past the lighthouse and I went another probably quarter mile past the lighthouse out there. And it was Samuel Owens, missionary to Indonesia. And he says, hey, Brother Fury, when are we going to be on the lake? I said, about a half mile back. I said, we passed the lighthouse 20 minutes ago. And he just went like this. He went. He was scared to death. And I said, what's wrong? I said, don't you have faith in the Lord? He says, I don't have faith in this ice. <laughs> we went a little bit further. We finally got him calmed down. We went a little bit further. And we found out the ice was about eight or nine inches thick. I mean, you could have driven a truck on it. It wouldn't have been a problem. But just that moment of paralyzing fear, he just stopped where he was and he grabbed his kids and he just shook. Incredible. That's how sometimes we get. We think we're all brave. I have no problem. I can do that. I'd like to go see some ice fishing until you find out you're past the lighthouse. You find out you're out away from shore in the middle of a storm. And sometimes we act just like the disciples would have. When we allow fear to dictate our behavior, chaos will always reign because we're not acting in faith. And like the disciples, we can even slip to a point where we question the caring hand of God. Well, I can't think of anything more dangerous. But I want you to notice this. Notice, and here's, here's the principle I want to give you. Notice how the disciples gravitated to the one in the boat who was acting in faith. You say, who is that? It was Jesus. The one asleep on a pillow. Bible says they all cried. They all came to wake him up. I don't know if that was wise on a boat that's sinking. You all run to one side, but they did. They run to the back of that boat and they found Jesus asleep on the pillow and they said, Master! Here's a truth and here's a principle. In a world that is lost and confused and absolutely upside down, I mean, isn't the world crazy? They're going to gravitate to the ones who have peace in the storm. They're looking for the one with faith. They may not even realize it, but they're looking for stability. They're looking for answers. They're looking for help. They're looking for peace and comfort. And so the disciples, just like the disciples, they gravitated to the one with faith. And I believe with all my heart, there are times, listen, I preached a couple weeks ago on Mary and Martha. Martha was the one that was frantic and panicked. Remember that? She ran out to meet Jesus. And Master, if you've been here, my brother had not died. Mary waited till she was called. Mary's the one that sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha was the one that was upset and, and cumbered about and, and distracted and anxious in her life. Mary's the one that followed Jesus quietly to the grave of Lazarus while Martha barked in his ear, he's been dead for four days. 
But when the disciples wanted to hear more about Jesus, when the Jews wanted to hear more about Jesus, do you know who they came to? Mary. The Bible very plainly says that many Jews were converted because they came to Mary. They said, we don't want to talk to Martha. She's half crazy. She's running to and fro. She's lost. But Mary has a quiet faith. And the Jews came to Mary to hear about Jesus. I'm just saying, whether they know it or not, the world is searching. They're hurting. And one day, God is going to open their eyes and they're going to say, I need something. And would to God they could look to Bethel Baptist Church and they could come here and and they could sit beside any member on any given Sunday and they could find hope that is in the heart of that person that would point them to the cross of Calvary, to the Savior who loves them. I pray that that would be our testimony today. As these people gravitated, the disciples gravitated the one with Jesus who had faith. As we speak Jesus or profess to be like him in our lives, we must remember when things get bad, the world is looking to us for a calming influence. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen something happen that has been a tragedy. And often in the United States, you know, the 9-11 or what have you, something happens, it's a tragedy. And do you know what they do? Do you know what Fox News does? They call Robert Jeffress. Do you know who that is? He is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And they say, Pastor Jeffress, what do you make of this? And what, what, what do we need to do in these days? They call God's man. That's what they do. Paul Chapel has been on Fox News several times asking for a response to a police shooting in California or something else. The world doesn't know what to do, so they call the church. They call people that have faith. They, they say, we want to know, how do we cope with this? That's what the world needs. So we must speak Jesus. Profess Christ. Somebody comes on, listen, don't, don't, uh, don't say, well, let me, I've got some wisdom for you. No, you have nothing. The world's wisdom is but foolishness with God. But let me tell you about one who does, who can comfort your soul. Years ago, my cousin had a baby that was born with meningitis here in Simcoe, and they rushed him to Hamilton Hospital. And uh, we were living in Hamilton, so my wife and I went down to the hospital. It was late, I think it was a Sunday night, real late, and uh, about 11 o'clock or so. We're sitting in that waiting room, and his sisters were there, and I mean, they were, it was frantic. They were scared, they were frantic, and just no peace whatsoever. And my cousin Vicki turned to me, and she says, Alan, say something. Because I was the pastor. And so I got to pray with my cousins. The next morning, I went back to the hospital pretty early, and and I said, does anybody need anything? And Chuck said, I'd, I'd like a coffee if you don't mind. And I said, sure. And I went down to the cafeteria to get a coffee for him. And uh, just as I turned around with the coffee, he's standing there with tears. And he said, thank you for praying last night. And he says, probably through the night, thank you. I'm just saying, when the world has tribulation, they turn to us. Are we going to point them to Jesus? 
I could, I could have sat in that room and said, well, they're there. It'll be okay. The doctors are good here. And I mean, literally, this is a world-class hospital. And they, I mean, now, today, it's called sick kids. I mean, this is their specialty. They'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Or we can point them to Jesus Christ, the great physician, the master of the wind. Let's speak Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us. Help us, Lord, we pray. As we continue down this road of professing Christ with our lives, I pray that the world would see the peace that passes all understanding, that they would know that Christ lives within us, and that we boldly profess him and point people to him. Speak to our hearts, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Those who are preparing for baptism may be dismissed at this time. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open even now. Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes and give respect to people who are praying. Pastor Paul is going to come lead our invitation today as I go prepare for baptism. Listen, let's not miss an opportunity to point people to Jesus. And a storm could be just that opportunity. A tribulation, a trial in their life is an opportunity to point them to Jesus Christ. The one who is resting peacefully. Not, not, not a concern, not a worry. He was rest on a pillow. I'm not saying that shows lack of concern. No, he cares very much. But he's not worried. He has peace. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. We're to turn everything over to the Lord. Let's trust him today, Pastor Paul.